1: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective 2020 on Vision
0: Our conversation today is about how we might understand the inconsistencies in our own high expectations and reality. We have high expectations for our personal dreams. We have expectations about how our relationships, even our careers. We also have High expectations about God and church. The feeling we get when the reality doesn't meet our high expectation is, first of all, disappointment. But when there's disappointment after disappointment, that can lead to disillusionment. Now, for many people, 2021 looked good until we realized that things are just as hard this year, too. How do we come to grips with the idea that life doesn't always treat us fairly and our dreams don't always come true? And what about when things in our church experience don't go the way we think they should? We might have unanswered questions about faith or people at church just aren't as loving as we think they should be or we harbour doubts that can even question whether our faith, whether our Christianity is fake. Is there some wisdom from God in what to expect when we are confronted by disillusionment? Well, our special guest today says many of us are blaming circumstances that we're currently facing on COVID, our present circumstances falling short of our high expectations. But she says COVID may be just the excuse that we were looking for to answer what we've been suspicious for a long time about that life doesn't always work the way we think it should. Our special guest through this coming hour is author Melanie Soward, and she's released a new book called Disillusioned, When You Get Lost Following Jesus. Melanie, a special welcome along to 2020. (laughs) Yes, thank you so much for having me today. Melanie, uh, when you get disillusioned, uh, you've got dashed expectations Uh, You've obviously spent lots of time thinking through the scenarios, uh, your own experience. Uh, Let's talk about dashed expectations here for a few moments because I suspect there's lots of people listening in who would love to hear your insights and how they might deal with their own expectations and disillusionment. Uh, Give us some insight here into what's shaping you here.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, we we often don't really realize how we form expectations. That's probably the first part. And um, often our expectations have been formed by things that we've seen, like people that we want to emulate and, and ideas that have come, I suppose, are not necessarily from a scriptural perspective. You know, we, we come up with expectations about how easy Marriage is going to be and often that's not necessarily because of what is in the bible because if we look at the bible and what it talks about with marriage it's not always painting this picture that marriage is going to be this awesome you know uh, relationship that is perfect all the time in fact it talks a lot more about what your responsibilities are within marriage than it is about what you will get out of it so You know, our expectations are things that uh, sometimes are are rooted in fantasy, you know, things that we we want to see happen and things that we think will make our life better and feel better and make us feel more satisfied. Uh, And so, you know, inevitably, when, when some of those things are, you know, not necessarily coming from the holiest of places... Uh, there, there is a, a need to see some holes in it because we can't continue to operate at that level, uh, not if we want to have a faith, uh, a faithful relationship with God. So yeah, so I think expectations in itself, um, you know, we often don't question the expectations that we have about what we want to see in life, and we also don't ex- uh, question the expectations we have that we project onto other people, which is often the challenge uh, for people who have. Disappointment when it comes to church or to leadership and things like that because we've projected an expectation we have onto an other party and we've never given them the opportunity to say whether they first agree that that's a realistic expectation to have and whether or not they intend to meet that. So, yeah, expectations are a very interesting uh, idea. And, and then, therefore, when our expectations aren't met, we then have this uh, process of trying to understand what does that now mean? Were my expectations incorrect? And sometimes because our expectations are so visceral, they've come from an emotional place. We don't want to let that expectation go, even if it wasn't right for us. And uh, I think that's where disillusionment can come in.
0: I suspect this is the story of Not just some listening, but everyone who will be listening in because we can have all sorts of dashed expectations on all sorts of different levels. And uh, mm. as you say, expectations rooted in fantasy. Uh, I couldn't mm. help but thinking, as you were sharing that, the idea that, you know, when we switch on the television, when we switch on the radio, when we switch on any social media, the marketing yes. campaigns, always someone trying to sell us the newest and best product that's going to make our life easier, or uh, we're going to be happy if we get that kitchen, or that new bathroom, or that new big flash house, or that flash new car. Uh, these sorts of things are surrounding us us all the time in fact they set us up for uh, having our absolutely. hopes dashed what are your thoughts about the, the you know yeah. the substance of things that we live in daily
2: yeah absolutely and i think this is why you know I, I from what i understand disillusionment seems to be something uh more typically experienced by people in the western world you know there are things that are disappointing people in the developing world every day far worse than some of the things we are dealing with and they don't necessarily seem to be falling away from their faith when this happens or, or that kind of thing. But it's part part of, I mean, you know, you mentioned the marketing and, and the things that you see on TV and ads and all of these things have been designed for for us to have a look at what is that in our hands and be dissatisfied with it and therefore, you know, aspire for something else, aspire for the thing that they are telling us we need now. So it's we are somewhat being uh, set up culturally and programmed culturally to think that we what we have is not enough and we therefore need more and so uh, it is really easy to develop these expectations I mean social media is an interesting one in itself you know with Instagram which is all visual uh, it is actually setting an expectation of what life should look like and so we then determine that well my life isn't quite great unless i have those things and and hence you have you know a a generation of of people who are not happy with what they have unless it looks like what it looks like on instagram and so yeah i think you're right we are there is some things culturally that we are warring against when we are trying to determine what is a realistic expectation and what are the expectations that uh, god is actually clear he has for us that are really the main expectations we want to have and be living out? Um, yeah, it's quite a challenge to 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 do that.
0: I suspect this is where we're going in our conversation: uh, the expectations that we have of God, and the expectations that God has of us. Uh, Is this your story, Melanie? You you know, have you written the book about it? And I mentioned the title of your book in the introduction, Disillusioned, Mm. When You Get Lost Following Jesus. Uh, What's your story like here?
2: Yeah, look, I mean, the title, you know, obviously intentionally a bit provocative. Um, the, The idea is that, you know, when you can be doing everything right, you can think that you're doing everything right, you're following Jesus and you're being faithful and then something comes out out of nowhere to to basically put your your belief system and what you thought about how the world works and how life works and even how faith works into question because you have this new reality that is conflicting conflicting with what you believed. So that's kind of where that was coming from and and absolutely that has been a lot of my story. So, you know, I actually grew up in a Hindu family. And, you know, like, I, um, I I could see, like, that Hinduism was not really—it um, didn't deliver on anything personally for a person from what I could see in terms of how it was being lived out in front of me. And so I became a Christian when I was quite young, probably eight years old. And um, so when I came into Christian community, I had some very idealistic views about what Christian community would be like and the fact that— It was going to be way better than anything I'd ever experienced before, and that it would be a real family. You know, it was family that I was often uh, thinking the Christian community would be like. Of course, you come into a church, and it, you know, it, it did definitely feel like that. But then I stepped into leadership and was a staff member, and I realized that, oh, you know, Christians don't always act like family. Like, you know, like they've got some very high expectations of me as a pastor and what I can deliver for them. But they're not always thinking about what they can give back, um, you know. And then I stepped out of leadership as well, you know, to, to start writing. And I went through a whole other level of disillusionment because I, I was thinking about how, you know, um, church can, you know, there's some... It's not that they're, uh, it's done purposely, but there are some business-oriented ideas around how church has to work because, you know, it is an organization and there's certain things that have to run like a business, like the finances, for instance. And it was really difficult for me to try and reconcile the views that I had about, you know, um, the faith community and what I now saw as like, what, is that family? That I don't know if that fits, you know. and. Um, and what, you know while i was in it i probably didn't think about it that much cuz you're sort of just busy and you're trying to you know keep serving people and loving people and then you step away from it and then you have all this time to think and all of a sudden all of these big questions were coming to the surface about you know is this really what i thought the church would be like is this really what i thought faith would be like and is this something i even want to be a part of if this is what it is like and so Because, you know, at the core of it, I am still a believer and I believe in God and I, you know, had, you know, this um, conviction from a long time ago that you come through hard times that you bring that to God and he's happy to hear all of the ugly questions that we're not always um, happy to vocalize to everybody else. And I, you know, basically determined to process that in, in his word, through his word and in his presence and, you know, passionately crying out to God, just like David would, to have clarity. And what I realized is that there's, with disillusionment, because there is these two realities, the one that you thought and the one that you have suddenly seen, there is a reconciling process. There's this, how do I now like almost reconcile this conflict between these two ideas. And, you know, then there's the emotions that are involved in that too. And so I basically just went on this journey of trying to, to process that and pray. And, and you know, I did um, have friends around me too that I was working through this stuff with. And, and of course, looking at scripture and I found, you know, a lot of examples in scripture that... Um, of characters that you could say they may have been disillusioned. They might not have used that language in Scripture because it might not have been a word that... I mean, we don't even use it that much in our society now, but, it, it yeah, it looked like there were some qualities of some of the things I had been going through that they had also gone through.
0: I suspect, Melanie, that when we are going through times of disillusionment and we said we all go through times like that, that this may actually be something of a stepping stone onto new levels of maturity. So, is there a silver lining on what, for some, is a dark cloud of feeling like you know you've you've lost your faith because of uh, some level of disillusionment? Uh, what's the way forward uh, into actually a newer and maturer outlook on these things?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think I think you're absolutely correct. I think that God, you know, brings um, many different situations in our life with the intention for us to grow in our relationship with him. Now, you know, whether I think disillusionment is something God brings, I don't know. I think that's uh, more of the psychological journey that happens within us, but still the circumstances that have happened, like there is always an opportunity for us to deepen in our faith. And so uh, what I do believe is critical for the person who is going through disillusionment is to understand it because when you're in it, you just think that you're trying to wrestle with a new reality. So in my case, you know, it was, do I even need to, do I even need to go to church to be a Christian? That could be what I was wrestling with. And so, you know, like the principle that I did know was the fact that God loves his church. He is, you know, passionate about the church. He's like, he loves it to, for me to, to walk away from it. I'm not recognizing that he also loves the church and that he wants me to contribute to it. So so there were those kind of questions and I had to um, understand what uh, the emotions were that I was going through because they were all influencing how I was looking at the situation. So what I basically started to do was start started to sort of dot point some of the emotions I was feeling, you know, so things like avoidance and fear and uh, guilt. Or so That's not common for everyone, but confusion is probably the most um common uh, feeling for those who are going through disillusionment and the confusion can be uh, almost um, like it it basically can make you immovable like you're unable to make any decisions because you are so confused and you know that will vary for lots of different people. I then started to notice um, that there were certain statements I was making that I had also heard other people who were disillusioned um, say so um, a common one would be I don't really know what I think anymore and it, you know, sort of brings to the surface the confusion. Uh, another statement might be, um, how could they have done that? You know, so how could they have done that? It shows that I have an expectation about how people should behave and I can't reconcile how uh, how an individual could have done that thing. So, um, you know, so getting more understanding about disillusionment is really key because what, you know, if this is like a, a more like a climactic challenge in which we have an opportunity to grow in our relationship with God, it also means it's an opportunity for the enemy to do something too. Like there is, um, you know, he has something to gain from it also. So, you know, like being able to really understand exactly what it looks like, what it feels like, and be able to identify identify the things that are happening in you and recognizing, oh. That is just part of the disillusionment I'm going through right now um, is a great starting point.
1: Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020
0: on Vision. Our special guest this hour is Melanie Soward, and she has released a new book called Disillusioned. When you get lost following Jesus and uh a wonderful foundation laid for a conversation where I'd love to invite listeners to join in. You might have your own experience to be able to reflect. 1-800-316-316. You can respond to that Facebook question at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Why do you think some people become disillusioned with God and church? Melanie, we'll talk some more about how we deal with this and confronting it and those sorts of things. But this idea of, you mentioned God's expectations of us. Now, it's a very self-centered thing, isn't it, to say that my expectations of God have not been met. But I wonder whether this is a way of bringing two sets of expectations together, understanding what God expects of us. Any thoughts around that idea?
2: Yeah, look, I think in in some of my searchings, I guess, what like the expectations God has of us, They don't seem to be so complicated. Now, when you read the Bible, of course, it looks complex because it's not straightforward. You often need help to understand what the the multiple layers and the context and all that kind of stuff. But if we go back to what Jesus has said to us you know, in the Gospels where he says, come all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest because my yoke is easy, there is obviously a suggestion there that, what he has for us is not supposed to be nearly as weighty as the pressures we feel if we are trying to live an overly religious life because obviously that's what the pharisees were and you know were trying to set for the community of that time they were saying that you've got to do this and this and this and this and, this and all of these different various things and jesus is our hope in saying that you know that's not what you have to do what i have is simple and it will give you rest and so I think what God expects of us is, you know, ultimately faithfulness. He wants us to love him and he wants us to, you know, love people. And, you know, that's not just an emotional, that romanticized kind of love that you hear talked about in, you know, in society. It's the fact that it's a love that leads to commitment. It's a love that is committed to God and is wanting to obey him and and all that kind of stuff. And I think, you know, some of the task of actually being faithful to God is learning how to hear him speak to you, you know, which is through his word and it's through other people and and all that kind of thing. But it does seem like what we often set for ourselves as expectations are far greater than what God necessarily strictly says. And he is much more concerned about who we are and the person that we are becoming than necessarily just all of the things that we tick box to do, you know, like even within our faith journey itself, we can often complicate what, you know, so for instance, if if we're saying that we need to have a devotional time every day, then, you know, people get really, you know, uh, can become really almost rule-ish in how they say that that must be done. It has to be an hour. It has to be, you have to read um, an Old Testament, a New Testament bit, and you have to, do it in the morning, and then you have to pray for an hour. You know, so we we don't realise that we actually put all of these added rules onto how something. You know, a, a, a wise a wise suggestion, a wise um, directive, I guess, becomes something that now requires ten other things as well. And you know, so God's expectations, I think, are actually clearer, and it's more about who we are and how faithful we're being to Him, and ensuring that He's number one in our life and and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. Uh,
0: No, that's great. But let's stay on uh, Bible for a few moments because you mentioned that there are all sorts of ways that you can perhaps uh, read into the circumstances of what people are going through in the scriptures when we can say mm-hmm. that these people would have been disillusioned and i imagine uh, you're talking about uh, you know when the children of israel are sent into exile under the babylonians how did they feel they probably felt rather disillusioned with what god was doing as they're sent into exile uh, lots of Absolutely. examples throughout scripture are a little bit like that and uh, so when you reflect on scripture and the sorts of you know uh, disillusionment that people might have felt what what are the other examples perhaps that might come to mind for you?
2: Yeah, I mean, well, the one that you mentioned, um, you know, uh, with the Israelites and coming into the, the, you know, Babylon and all that kind of stuff, um, one of the sort of... So I basically put case studies within the book. So within each chapter, there is like an individual uh, in Scripture that I've basically investigated and gone, what are the signs that this person might have been disillusioned and what can we learn from them? So one of those characters happens to be Jeremiah. Who is a very interesting uh, case study for disillusionment? Because he, you know, comes with this expectation that as a prophet, he is going to be helping the Israelite people. He's going to be telling them good things. He's going to, yeah, you because know, he loves his people. And instead, he is becoming almost like the enemy with the things that he's prophesying. And so he has this really interesting conversation with God, where he's saying, "I know you're great. I know you're amazing." But I would ask you some questions about your justice, you know, uh, you know, like because you are disciplining me as someone who is faithful to you, and yet people who are doing the wrong thing are not. You're you're not doing anything about them, and so it's this very interesting question, which you know, obviously I'd get into a bit more in the book. And God's response is even more baffling. He, you know, comes back and says, "Well, if you can't run with the horses." Uh, Yeah, if you can't run with men, how are you going to run with the horses? And, you know, what God is essentially saying is that there's more to come. There is more of this to come. Like, if you are struggling to handle the fact that you are being persecuted right now for what you're doing, then you need to know that there's more to come. And he does, obviously, God does, you know, say more than that, but that's his opening statement to him. And so it sort of, um, of, you know, gives us the lesson out of this is that You know, like disillusionment is never supposed to be this stopping point. It's supposed to be one of the, you know, one of the dots on the journey along the way. It's one of the things that we um, are, it it needs to be processed if we intend to continue to be faithful and to see God do amazing things, including delivering on some of the promises he's made to you, you know, because...
0: Uh, we we need to not stay disillusioned, uh, but find some remedies and we'll talk some more about those. Well, our special guest is author Melanie Soward. She's released a book called Disillusioned, When You Get Lost Following Jesus. Uh, Melanie, uh, just before we uh, move on, I wonder whether we might reflect on a thought or two from listeners who've responded on our Facebook question today. Uh, The question asks, why do you think some people become disillusioned with God and church? Well, Adam says, because often church is more interested in itself than on what is happening right in front of their faces. I love the saying, people don't care much about what you know until they know how much you care. Sometimes, as well, it's all about attendance and ticking boxes rather than looking at people's hearts and who they are. I wonder if you've got a thought or two for, for Adam and his comment.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, the reality is is that we we do often see that churches can get distracted because, you know, they're people and they are, can get, you know, develop expectations just like us about what church should look like and what it should be when you're a minister and a pastor and, and you know, that it, it is unfortunate but it is a reality we can't pretend it's not there and it you know it is part of our sinful condition that we we often do uh, get distracted about why we are doing this and why we are here and so i think uh that you know that is can be a part of the seed that begins a process of disillusionment but the reality is is that our faith as individuals and the quality of that faith and and the experience of disillusionment doesn't have to remain because of what we see in churches. It certainly is a journey that we all, as individuals, uh, need to take. And and being able to, because you know, when we look in scripture, we see these you know early Christian churches that we often do romanticise about. But the reality is that they also had significant problems, and they had. False apostles and they had false prophets that were coming and distracting, and this is often what Paul is actually writing. Uh, you know, in the context of, is trying to address these these early Christians who you know were so passionately following Jesus and then are now being distracted and taken off course. And so it isn't really that that is different to what happened back in the early church. But, you know, Paul continues to encourage those believers that as individuals you can still have a faithful relationship with God even within that kind of context. And so, you know, so that's, that's I think, disillusionment itself is still our individual journey to, to go through and to, to work through because there are people who are probably attending churches right now and they're very aware of some of the things that might be happening that look that way. But they still are there and they're still serving and they're still, you know, so disillusionment is not necessarily happening for them. Part of it is for us and needing to to see that we have these discrepancies and expectations that we need to also consider. Is it realistic for us to think that, you know, all Christians are going to be faithful all the time and that, you know, churches are always going to be perfect in terms of how they lead and shepherd their people? Is that a realistic expectation?
0: And everyone's on a learning curve. I love that word romanticizing because that really, I think, uh, to me, sums up the idea that this is where a discrepancy comes in because we can romanticize uh, not only about our relationships and our careers and uh, all of our dreams and expectations, but also what our expectations are from God and church. So we're inviting listeners to join our conversation on 1-800-316-316. There's lots of comments coming on to our Facebook question today, but let's take a call Julie is on the line from Charleville in Queensland. Hello Julie welcome.
3: Uh, good
2: day, thank you oh look I just want to congratulate your guest for um, speaking truth, having wisdom and sense in this positive world that often is so positive it forgets about the truth and the facts and people who are feeling down and disillusioned are left behind because nobody wants to know us because we get we're not positive enough for them. I've had that experience.
0: In fact, and Julie,
2: I've the very yep. hard way: truth is necessary. We must pray for truth.
0: Mm. That's wonderful. A response here from Melanie for Julie.
2: Yes. Uh, look, thank you so much for you know getting on here and being vulnerable. And yes, it's true. Sometimes we can think that positivity is the same as faith. And you know, like if we look back at our our Christian heritage and, and those in the early church, they were often being faced with persecution and, you know, quite horrific persecution. And, you know, I th- I actually use an example in the book of if we were to jump back in time and come in with our positivity kind of faith in the face of those believers, I, I don't know if we would be able to survive on on that mindset because actually faith is is about the fact that we have a conviction of what is true and not necessarily whether it it feels good sometimes or it doesn't. So, uh, you know, I applaud you also, Julie, for for um, being a truth seeker.
0: Julie, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. As you're responding there to Julie, I couldn't help but thinking sometimes we look at our church and for some people, the expectation we have is that our church is like a cruise ship. Uh, others mm. have some sort of expectation it's a bit more like a hospital ship. <laughs> and others think that it should be a battleship. Uh, so there's all sorts of ways we can think about church. And yes. we're actually shaped in the way we do, as you say, by taking a, a really more uh, rational look at uh, some of the challenges that we've seen from the scriptures and and we started talking about some of those things uh, you know like the uh, children of Israel uh, sent into exile under the Babylonians and uh, you started to share some wonderful thoughts about Jeremiah and uh, uh, how his prophecies were being received. There's all sorts of uh, illustrations aren't there like the children of Israel mm. wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years uh, be, and with the expectation of the promised land and then uh, going into the promised land and having to conquer it Uh, lots of lots of stories what ones stand out for you that will shed some good light for listeners today melanie uh, on on how these things might be resolved and how we might move forward if we're feeling disillusioned
2: yeah absolutely i think that probably the most uh, remarkable example of someone who looks like they have processed some disillusionment is the is paul the apostle paul and You know, uh, he says in in 2 Corinthians, he says, we were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, which is an incredibly heavy, heavy statement to say. And so, you know, if you continue reading on in 2 Corinthians, he, he then later says, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed. not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. So he has this, like we have the benefit of seeing in his story, someone who goes through something so intensely serious and so heavy, you know, to say that he felt the sentence of death, it's saying that there wasn't an external pressure that was um, you know, one of uh, like persecution that was, you know, like he was actually going to be, you know, um, martyred or whatever. It was the fact that internally there was this Sentence of death, and he says this incredible thing. He says it happened, uh, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. You know, so his basic answer to this is that you know this this was actually so that I could grow, so I could be uh, more reliant on God, and 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 at the end of the day, God raises the dead. So even the sentence of that feeling of the sentence of death is not. The doesn't have the final say like death doesn't actually have the final say on me because he resurrects the dead so he has this amazing way of talking about things but you know you can see in his life that you know even paul who has this incredible zeal for god you know like when you read his stuff it just like it amazes you even he still needed rescuing from god and he still needed to learn about relying more on God to be able to get through. And so I think for, for every person who is going through disillusionment, it's learning that we don't rely on our expectations to interpret how life works. We rely on God. To understand how to interpret these things that are coming at us you know like for instance COVID obviously came out of nowhere for people and we, most of us have probably struggled with the fact that we had this plan of how life was going to go I know for our family we were thinking we we're going to have this big trip to the US and then we had to cancel it and so we had this expectation that life is going to be amazing and we could just plan travel and we can do fun things and then all of a sudden this external force decides that my plan can't happen and so i you know as a modern christian i've never had like an extremely external force like covid tell me i can't do something that i want to do and that's a hard thing to reconcile like we, you know that sort of disillusionment that comes afterwards oh so my plan only happens if everything else is okay with my plan happening. That's a hard thing to reconcile. But, you know, therefore, I then now have to work out, well, you know, I'm not always in control of my, of what, you know, you know, I'm in control of my choices, but that doesn't mean mean that my choices can always happen. Like the things like, you know, organizing a trip here or doing that kind of stuff. It's not necessarily always about what I decide. There is influences outside of myself that also um, impart or in, impede on how we live our life. And so this idea that we are completely independent people that can just make choices all the time has been really challenged by COVID because now we have to think about social distancing and we have to think about, you know, a lockdown. We have to consider the fact that our choice to be out there might affect someone else or it might affect another person. And so, you know, this is like the whole relying on God thing you know like we we interpret this situation through like the lens of scripture and we and we realize that you know in the early church they couldn't just do whatever they want that was what Paul was trying to say like when you have when you've received Jesus and you've received the Holy Spirit you don't use that freedom for yourself that freedom is for The benefit of others that's that's actually what you've been given it for so you know our whole independent kind of way of thinking is definitely under some scrutiny in the last uh year and a half
0: fabulous thoughts taking calls 1-800-316-316 let's hear from karen in cairns hello karen welcome along
3: thank you very much first i have to say I uh, Thank you so much for having this discussion, as confronting as it is, yet uh, the truth in um, having this conversation is um, leading me to press into God even more. I have found myself in a situation dealing with, um, you know, being disillusioned with my faith, um, you know, God is my oxygen, Jesus is my saviour, he's my everything and Mm. the fact that hearing um, what everybody has shared so far and what you're sharing, Melanie, is so inspiring and we don't get to hear this often enough because it is a difficult Mm. topic but I just want to thank you so much because what has led me to call in is to um, basically share with you in in the trials and and everything that is, um, well, the disillusionment, Mm. I'm finding God is raising me into another level of faith he wants me to step into. Yes. And I just wanted to thank you.
0: Karen, let's get a thought or two from Melanie. Melanie, your thoughts for Karen?
2: Uh, Karen, I'm just so glad that uh, the things that we are saying are uh, you know, tickling you right where you itch because ultimately this is what I wrote the book for because I know that disillusionment is very painful and it is actually really hard to feel hope again when you feel like what you've seen can't be unseen. And so I'm just really encouraged that, that you have gotten something out of it and absolutely continue to press into God because... Uh, you know, God is very uh, capable of handling our mess and and he understands it and he intends for us to grow and to, to align and to learn discernment rather than these kind of absolute mindsets, these black and white mindsets that we have about how life works. Um, so, yeah, I just really do hope that you can keep going and, and grow and heal. And yes, I'll be thinking of you.
0: Karen thank you so much for your call one eight hundred 316 let's take another call Giuseppe is in Brisbane hello Giuseppe welcome
1: hey g'day how are you
0: very well Giuseppe what are your thoughts
1: uh, my thoughts what a, what a great program what, what a great conversation to bring up anyway uh, my, my thoughts are uh, you talk about disillusionment well you know what um no surprise, it is the last days. We know that. The, the the scripture is very clear about it. And what I find that the, the apostasy seems to be rife in, in a lot of churches, which brings me to the point, um, what happens when when the gospel uh, that you and I know, that have been brought up with, is not faithfully, faithfully being preached uh, anymore? You know, you mentioned... You mentioned this thing about um people treating uh churches like a cruise ship well you know there you go uh (laughs) so what i'm saying is that uh you know a lot a lot of the um preaching these days is is based upon um what jesus can do for us and all that kind of thing but very little on uh repentance holiness uh, fear of God, uh, these kinds of things. Um, so, yeah, so and, and it's very clear. The scriptures do talk Giuseppe, about...
0: Giuseppe, let me just cut in because uh, we'll get a thought or two from Melanie. Uh, Melanie, your thoughts for Giuseppe?
2: Yeah, look, absolutely. I think that we um, sometimes are skimming on the surface of what the gospel uh, is all about. Um, interestingly, I have actually started a podcast that is very much around these kinds of topics. And the fact that, uh, you know, the gospel, you know, Jesus is supposed to be enough for us and Jesus alone is enough for us. It's not necessarily all of the fringe benefits we get that meet our inner needs. And so there is still more of the gospel that can be preached, that can go deeper than our understanding of it. And so, yes, I absolutely agree with you that sometimes we... We are talking about you know salvation and 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 those kind of aspects of the gospel and not actually going deep enough into what that means. Uh, we do tend to have this marketing approach sometimes in how we talk about some of the messages that are in the body of Christ. So and you know it's that, that when I say marketing approach, it's the what's in it for me. Uh, kind of thinking, you know, so when a preacher or something comes to a pulpit, they're thinking that everybody who's listening to this is going, what's in it for me? And I need to tell them what's in it for me. And that's how it creates this kind of, uh, you know, circumstance where um, where the what is being told is the way Jesus can benefit you. Now, to be fair, to churches and pastors, you know, sometimes congregation members are incredibly fickle. You know, like if they hear something they don't like, they say, oh, that's it, I'm going. And so these pastors are often trying to walk this very uh, fine line between telling you something that challenges you to go deeper in your faith, but also something that pleases you enough so that you don't give up on it. So it's really, it's a really hard um, line to walk. Absolutely, repentance, fear of God, all of these things are things that, probably aren't getting spoken about enough. And I think sometimes some of that is because of nervousness around, you know, the old days when it used to be all fire and brimstone and, you know, you know um, come to God, or you are going to go to hell kind of things. You know, pastors are a little bit nervous about talking like that anymore because of how that has sometimes gone wrong in the past. Uh, but yes, like as a culture, the church, like absolutely, there are some things that we can improve on. And I think God is actually bringing some of that change at the moment anyway.
0: Giuseppe, thank you so much for your call. Uh, We'll have to put a line under things. I wish we had so much more time to talk today. We don't. Uh, So let's see if we can uh, draw a loose end or two together. Uh, There's lots of responses on our Facebook uh, question today, and I'll encourage listeners, if you want to continue on this conversation with other listeners to what we've been talking about, uh, the question we've asked on Facebook today is, why do you think some people become disillusioned with God and church? There's lots of great responses. Trevor said, because we're being told in sermons that God just fixes everything that you ask for. The thing is, we have a society and younger generations that have been raised to want everything yesterday, so they even expect God to fix things on their timeline rather than learning to wait on God's timing. Some good wisdom in what you're sharing there, too, Trevor. There's lots of responses there, and uh, so you might like to engage with other listeners on that question. Uh, Melanie. You mentioned that you've got a podcast. Um, I imagine there's a link on your website to how uh, that podcast can be accessed. Is that where people yes. would find it? So, yes, is it absolutely. Mel J. Soward, S A W A R D, meljsoward.com? dot com. And That's correct. for people getting a hold of your book, I suspect there's going to be lots of people would love to get a hold of your book because they relate so deeply to the things you've shared this hour. It's called Disillusioned, When You Get Lost Following Jesus. Uh, Where's the best place for people all around Australia right now to be able to get a hold of it?
3: Uh, Look,
2: you can get it off my website uh, and you can get it off Coorong and and also Amazon. Um, So yes, they're all major kind of outlets for Christian books are all uh, stocking it.
0: Okay, so wherever you might be, you can get a hold of it, uh, simply go online and do a search for it, and you'll find it at uh, Christian booksellers like Kurong or Amazon. Uh, you can go straight to Mel's Mel's face website, meljsaward.com, M E L J saward dot com. Mel J Soward. Mel, just great getting your insights today. you uh, fabulous that you've thought so deeply through these issues. I think you've won a few friends, and uh, we've certainly been on an, uh, an on a plane today, which I think some people will say we're we're into reality. I wonder if you've got a, a final word to share. Uh, about this issue of this disconnect uh just a final word perhaps on how you can actually meet god's expectations with your own any thoughts here just as we uh, finish up
2: yeah look i think the, the answer to that is probably the same answer that you would hear in a sunday school which is you know to get down on your knees and pray you know god answers our prayers and It's being uh, open to the fact that we might have been wrong about some things. And, you know, that's the role of humility, hence why I said to get down on your knees. (laughs) But yes, prayer and seeking God, you know, he does want to answer these questions. And, you know, obviously the book is out there to help people journey through that as well. But, yeah, you know, I don't believe that God wants to leave us where we are when it comes to these kind of things.
0: Wow. Great words to top off. Uh, Humble ourselves and pray. And uh, then, as you say, we're finding out about God's expectations of us And we have our expectations of God too, but we get a reality when we find out as uh, his expectations are of us, of how we meet those. Uh, Wonderful Mm. insights, Melanie. Thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020.
2: Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for
1: taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.